This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfcc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good morning, everyone. I feel uh, very blessed to be able to give a Dharma talk today. Can you hear me okay? Yes? Yes. Okay. And welcome to those who are tuning in on the website. It's been very cold, chilly at Green Gulch in the last days, which is just the usual summer, summer at Green Gulch. And as this is happening here, there's been a heat wave around the world in different parts, records being broken all over. And and what does that mean? What does that mean about the reality of our life right now? What we're facing, what we're encountering daily, and how do we practice in this everyday life that we find ourselves in? So today I want to bring up a Zen story. And this is a, it's a beloved story. One, I think I've spoken about at some point. I know Tenshin Roshi has spoken about it. Abbas Fu in 2020 gave a talk about it and many other teachers. And this koan is in the book of Serenity, which is a collection of Zen koans or Zen stories that are uh, so have some overlap with other collections, but many of these stories are uh, just in this collection and are part of kind of a soto, our school, our lineage through Suzuki Roshi and Dogen uh, Zenji. And, and have a particular uh, family feeling, you might say. So this uh, particular Zen koan is called, uh, usually we call it, what is the price of rice in Lu Ling? But the name of it is Qing Yuran and the price of rice. Qing Yuran is one of our ancestors uh, in our lineage. And he was Chinese and one of the five main disciples of the sixth ancestor. And his student was Sekito Kisen Daiyosho. So both of these in Japanese, Seigen Yoshi, 
Daiyosho is Shingiran. Shinsu is Seigan Gyoshi, and his student is Shirto in Chinese, and Sekito Kisen. Sekito Kisen wrote Harmony of Difference and Equality that we chant every day. So these are part of our ancestors' family way, family feeling. Uh, so Xing Yiran or Seigen Gyoshi um, lived in the 600s and he practiced with the sixth ancestor and out of, you know, flowing from him came one of the five schools of Zen uh, and through Sekito Kisen. So this um, koan, I've related to it in a particular way for years. And just recently, recently meaning Friday at the senior seminar that Tenshin Roshi has with a number of his uh, senior students, there was a new, uh, in, in a particular um, text, there was some new information about this koan and, and how to practice with it and how to understand what's, what is being tried to convey through this story and to help us. So I, I wanted to turn that with you uh, and I've been looking at this additional understanding to this koan that's been very helpful for me. I just want to mention as a kind of um, something to be aware of, uh, a kind of warning, maybe, I don't know, warning may be too strong, but I'm going to be bringing up in relation to this teaching, uh, talking about uh, part of the history, the painful history of this world, enslavement of beings. And I just wanted you to know that with great um, respect and humbleness, I am, but I feel for me, it was important. I wanted to weave this in to this koan. So please, uh, if that is something that's you find too upsetting or uh, please take care of yourself and I welcome you to turn off your computers or, or leave Zendo. So just a little bit more about Qing Yiran. He lived in um, a place that was very near a town called Luling. And Luling was very famous for its rice. And he lived on the Qing Yiran mountain, was his kind of name is after the mountain, Qing Yiran Xin Tzu. Uh, 
And his temple was called Quiet Abode Temple. And his name means the Seigen Gyoshi or Chingiran Shinsu means green source, walking or practice intention. That's an English translation. Green source, practice intention or walking intention. So this is um, the koan. And I think I'll read the koan because, or recite the koan, because it's very short, the story, and then go back to the introductory words. Each of these koans often has a pointer or introductory words to help us open to what the story is, what the what the koan is, but I'm gonna start with the koan. A monk asked Chingyuran, what is the great meaning of Buddha Dharma? Chingyuran said, what is the price of rice in Luling? I'll say it again. A, a monk asked Chingyuran, what is the great meaning of Buddha Dharma? This is a this is a big question, right? What is the great meaning of the truth of the Buddha, the awakened truth, the Buddha Dharma? And Chingyuran said, What is the price of rice in Luling? So before I uh, enter the koan with you, I wanted to read the introductory note, which is this new way of understanding, helped me with this new understanding. Um, so these introductory notes, are, I find very, very difficult to understand is, and the poems, the verses, but they're difficult upon first reading. All of these stories benefit from learning by heart what the story is and what jumps out at you, the question or the answer, or, and reflecting and turning them. Uh, it's not like immediately we say, oh, oh yeah, so this pointer says Siddhartha, which was the name of the Buddha before his enlightenment, Shakyamuni Buddha. It says Siddhartha cut off his flesh to give to his parents, yet is not listed in the legends of filial children. Devadatta, those of you who know who Devadatta is, it was the Buddha's cousin who was very jealous of the Buddha and tried to hurt him, tried to split the Sangha, did hurt him. Uh, at one point drew blood, tried to send a, a, a kind of raging elephant to, you know, attack 
where the Buddha was walking, etc. This is Devadatta. Devadatta pushed over a mountain to crush the Buddha, but did he fear the sound of sudden thunder? Having passed through the forest of thorns and cut down the sandalwood tree, just wait till the year ends. As of old, early spring is still cold. Where is the Buddha's body of reality? I think in the past, I um, have kind of skipped over the pointer, like, I don't know what he's talking about or what he's wants on is trying to say. I'm going to just look at the koan. Maybe I can, you know. But this time, partially because in this seminar on Friday, this pointer, this intro was... Um, in the text we're studying, uh, a light was shown on it, which had to do with that this paragraph that I just read to you and the koan itself, because the two are completely interrelated, has to do with, or part of what it has to do with is confession and repentance. Now, Confession and repentance, um, often right away saying those words, one might have a reaction like that it has to do with punishment and, um, you know, shaming and embarrassment and all sorts of things. But confession and repentance is a, an integral part, is, is part of our practice life. And part of, and I think this koan will, and what I hope to do today is see how confession and repentance is our practice life. So when I'm talking about confession and repentance, I'm not talking about punishment. I'm talking about what arises in our body mind when we realize that we're not in alignment with the reality of our life. And confessing, and, and now, as those of you who live in residence, we have this practice daily of confessing and repenting our ancient twisted karma, our karma, our voluntary actions, and karma, both good and bad, are turning on a sense of self a self-centeredness, whether it's good karma or bad karma. If it's, uh, we acknowledge and avow, admit that we're human beings with actions that are flowing from uh, greed, hate, and delusion. And it comes in three kinds, body, speech, and mind. So just going back to this pointer, this intro, it, it starts out with this Shakyamuni Buddha 
uh, probably in a past life because we don't have the story of him uh, doing this to himself, but there's many stories of bodhisattvas who give even their bodies if needed. So it says, Siddhartha cut off his flesh to give to his parents, yet he's not listed in the legends of filial children. So he did this, this is, I'm understanding this as an apparent good deed, maybe to, I don't know the reasons, but there's in the Jataka tales, there's reasons that are about generosity and selflessness for these very, very thoroughly developed bodhisattvas who are able to do such thing. That's not for baby bodhisattvas, let me say that. So he did this act, but he wasn't um, written up in the books of filial piety. Like filial piety means, you know, this respect for our parents and elders, and he's not on that list. There, the, the consequences of his actions have not been noted and like, oh, he was a good boy. He's not in that list of filial piety. And, and then you've got Devadatta, the jealous Devadatta who tried to crush the Buddha, but he's not afraid of being struck by lightning because he did that terrible act. So, it's kind of looking at both good and bad karma or wholesome and unwholesome actions. You know, the consequences of those, uh, you can't hold on to your good actions. And also there may not be particular um, consequences to unskillful actions actually. So what, so this um, confessing and repenting that we have both skillful and unskillful actions, even when we're trying to do skillful things, things may happen that we didn't want to happen. People were hurt, people misunderstood. We can't see all the full range of the reality of our life. We live in, as Dogen says in Genjo Kwan, in a circle of water. We see, as only, we see only as far as our eye of practice can see. And the same is true of everyone. The, the next part of this pointer was having walked through the sharp bramble thickets, this is the forest of thorns, um, and then a forest of fragrant flowers, the sandalwood, you still have to wait to the end of the year. And the commentary on that was, you know, your awakening will come one way or the other. You still have to wait. There isn't like a consequence if I do good then, if I do unwholesomeness, then it won't. It's, it's deeper and wider and less able to be conceived of even our reality. 
as of old, spring begins with cold. This is a different translation than what I read. Uh, as of old, early spring is still cold. Where is the Buddha's body of reality? So the koan, back to the koan itself, what is the meaning of the Buddha Dharma? What is the price of rice in Luling? Now, as I said, Luling, the rice in Luling was, uh, it was known for its delicious rice. And um, the Dharma teacher, Dario Girolami, in, who lives in Italy, in Rome, when teaching this koan says, uh, what is the price of pizza in Rome? So what is the price of rice in Luleng or pizza in Rome? Well, if you've ever been to Rome, it depends, you know. Are you at a upscale Via Veneto place or a little trattoria or where are you? What kind of um, toppings are there, you know? So this, the price of rice in Luleng depends on how was the crop that year? Was there a drought? Was there too much rain? Was there sun, enough sun? Were the farmers well? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Was there an overabundance of rice from the year before in storage? Did somebody hoard it and put it on the black market because there wasn't enough, etc. What is the price of Lu Ling includes sun, moon, starlight, all the beings, and into the past and into the future. What is the price of rice in Lu Ling is interfused, interpenetrated with every single thing. Now, I wanted to um, say something more about how to understand what is the price of rice in Luling by bringing up another delicious rice called Carolina gold rice. And this is something I never knew about until this year when I watched on Netflix the uh, documentary called High on the Hog, African-American Cuisine, how African-American cuisine transformed America. And the wonderful uh, narrator and kind of host of it, a man named Stephen Satterfield, in several, have some of you seen High on the Hog, a Netflix documentary? I, I recommend it. It, it. it uncovered and showed me a history I have not been aware of and yet have benefited by 
uh, and and have appreciated, but not known enough about it. So Carolina Gold uh, Rice in Charleston, South Carolina. This is what I've learned from this uh, documentary. I had many kinds of rice, but when enslaved people were brought from Africa, they had been rice farmers, many people, and were excellent rice, uh, knew how to grow rice. And in Charleston, South Carolina, this crop of rice, this particular kind of rice, became the uh, the crop, the most um, the crop that was brought the wealth to these plantation owners. And the labor, this is a highly labor intensive crop, California gold, and the expertise and the labor, the backbreaking labor of, you know, hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years to produce Carolina gold and the cuisine of Charleston and South Carolina. And not only that, but this rice was so delicious. It was sent overseas, we're talking about, you know, 17, 16, 1700s to Indonesia and to Japan. Also, it was so highly sought after the Carolina, Carolina gold. So Charleston's wealth was built on this and built on this horror of slavery and so I, this is something um, I'm uh, reflecting on and doing my best to learn about and understand and include what is the price of Carolina gold? What is the price of the rice of Luling? The price of the rice of Carolina gold rice is untold misery, unspeakable horror. And, and the wisdom and expertise of, of beings and the deliciousness of the rice. So after the Civil War, after the ending of slavery, the uh, production of this rice that created the wealth uh, diminished, you know, by 80% or so. And it, it basically, there was the labor that it took to create this Carolina gold was no longer there. So going from 100 million pounds of rice a year down to, I don't know what, 
so also in the documentary, there's a, a person named and there's a man named Glenn Roberts, who's white, who has a company called Anson Mills. And he has um, done his best to revive this crop and to pay back. He knows very well the heritage that he's holding. And his gift is that the seeds for this crop, he gives away freely. He does not monetize these seeds and whoever can use them all over the world, he gives them away, the Carolina gold. So I bring this up and the painfulness of it because I feel this teaching what is the price of rice in Luling? What is the meaning of Buddha Dharma? What is the price of rice in Luling? Points to, expresses the meaning of our Buddha Dharma is the inextricable interfusion and interpenetrated reality that we all are part of. There's no one who's apart from this. There's no one who's apart from Carolina gold. Rice. And how it came to be. And there's no one apart from each one of our actions. Which brings us to confessing and repenting. Which this pointer at the beginning is, is brings up. What do we need to confess and repent? So confessing and repenting, we have, there's several ways of confessing and repenting. There's formal, kind of a formal confession and repentance, which is kind of what we do in the morning for service, um, a vow together as part of our morning ritual. There's also, speaking to a teacher or a friend about actions of body, speech, and mind that you're uh, concerned about or feel um, out of alignment with or that you're troubled by, you have remorse. So there's talking with someone about that. That's another kind of confession and repentance. There's also, uh, so these are in the, form, formal ways. There's also confessing to the Buddha, to a Bodhisattva, different ways that you formally say my about my actions uh, and avow that, admit that. And, and one is often in a kind of natural way drawn to do that because it, it weighs heavy on our hearts. So this is called Ji Sangye. Ji is the conventional, the relative, the everyday, the, the, the conventional world that we live in. There are um, ways to confess and repent that arise for us. 
And then there's the re-sangha or the formless, formless confession and repentance, which uh, is basically sitting zazen, just sitting, letting go of actions of body, speech, and mind, and our views and our grasping onto fixed ideas, just sitting in the middle of our life. This is called the formless repentance, where we become, ah, we open to being one with all beings and everything in this reality. There's a third kind of confession and repentance called Jiso Sangge, which is when we realize Jiso is like the reality of our life. And when we realize that we don't see the true reality of our lives, this interconnected, interfused way that we exist actually and act in ways that are based on I, me, and mine as, as if unconnected, this uh, the confession and repentance that comes up is because we realize we don't see the full reality of our life. And I, I feel like, you know, more and more what we eat, what we wear, what we drive, the resources that we use, the way we treat our fellow human beings is often not based on that we are completely interconnected. Both, there's a saying, both the real and unreal have no self nature. Both the real, sort of the conventional um, manifestations of our life and the unreal, the delusions of our life, both have no separate existence, no self, permanent self, both the real and the unreal. We live in delusion. And knowing that, knowing that our delusions Delusion within delusion for our life, because we can't see more than we can see with our eye of practice. Realizing that, that we are in the midst of delusion, confession and repentance arises. And in this koan, the... Um,
the verse talks about the way of great peace has no signs. I have the verse here. This verse is by Ten Tong Hongjur, who uh, wrote all the different verses for the for the different koans in Book of Serenity. The accomplishing work of great peace has no sign. We, we can't grasp it like I'm doing the work of great peace. That already is delusion. We do our best. Is it the work of great peace? We shall see. The family way of the peasants is most pristine. Only concerned with village songs and festival drinking. How would they know of the virtues of Shun or the benevolence of Yao? Just a, a note on that, Shun and Yao. The, these poems and, you know, comments in these koan collections also include and harken back to the literary treasure of China and folk tales and poetry. And it's a very layered liter literature, really, these koan collections. So, you know, um, references are made to uh, stories that might be, have been at, to the audience who was reading them at the time or when they were written, were very familiar, familiar, just like in the United States, we can say something about the Wizard of Oz or something, and pretty much everybody gets the reference, you know, this is in Canada. I don't think we're in Kansas, Toto, or whatever. We get it. It's a kind of shared cultural thing. So Yao and Shun were these legendary um, emperors of China. And when I say legendary, I'm talking about BC. Um, and they were virtuous and benevolent and really um took care of the country to the best of their ability, Choose the, chose the best person for the job rather than their own son. So this poem brings this up. These, um, the, the peasants are only concerned with village songs and festival drinking. How would they know of the virtues of these ancient? They're not concerned with that. So these poems, you know, in Tenshin Roshi's commentary, he says, the Buddha Dharma is so important. We shouldn't, maybe this is a Suzuki Roshi quote, we shouldn't take it too seriously. So this songs and dancing coming together to, with, for camaraderie and practicing and appreciating and enjoying one another. We're, we're, this isn't to throw that away and have a kind of grim, uh, you know, 
working to, I don't know what, understand this, our life can be the warm-hearted and kind walking together with one another in this life with walking on the ground in a grounded way, meaning humble, knowing that our actions and our words and how we think, how we think that was created by all of our experiences and karmic formations, how we were educated, what we heard and saw in at home, in the media, at school, on the street, this is, this is how we were acculturated and taught and socialized and racialized in ways that we have no idea. This is why we need to confess and repent. This is why I feel I need to confess and repent because my actions are flowing from, uh, not from Buddha Dharma understanding, even with my effort. So with great humility and humbleness, not shamed, not shaming or punishing, but there are consequences that I take seriously. So, What is the great meaning of the Buddha Dharma? What is the price of rice in Luling? Knowing that everything Everything partakes of the Buddha body. The myriad things partake of the Buddha body. Every single thing. And upon seeing it, we may, just like the, the teacher whose name escapes right now who saw the, the peach blossoms and understood. He turned towards where his teacher was and bowed. Thank you very much. We're going to uh, dedicate the positive energy of the talk, and then there'll be quite a little time for questions and questions online as well, if there's any. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered at no cost, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. 
Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, visit sfcc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.